Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're back after another mini hiatus because, boy, howdy, the world does not like us to record as often as we should. Uh, but we hope you've had an... I don't know how good uh, a month y'all could have had, but we're back and we hope that we can help make it better. Happy Election Day. Yay, this is coming out on Election Day. Uh, I'd say go vote, but by the time I get this uploaded, it will probably be too late for that. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, we're here, Moving we're on. back again, and Dylan, what is it that we're talking about this week? Don't really have a fun, witty, creative way to introduce it, so we're talking about world maps, or uh, map overworld screens, whatever have you. This was, so this, the, like, the, the actual impetus for this uh, idea for an episode came when I was playing uh, Sonic Adventure 2 on Halloween, you know, as I do because of Pumpkin Hill. Um, is that an actual tradition you have? Because that's the fucking best. It's it's not actually, but like I was feeling kind of nostalgic. I feel uh, you. I feel yeah. you. So I I decided to uh, just play a little Sonic Adventure too. I think it um, says a lot about both you and me that you said that, and my first thought was like, I don't know, it might be true. <laughs> that 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 I could see is it. a tradition that I have. <laughs> That every uh, Halloween I play Pumpkin Hill or uh, Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's not a tradition I have. I I might start... Uh, well, we'll get there in a second. So, uh, yeah, Sonic Adventure 2 has a level select screen. And I was, I was talking with a friend um, about how the... Uh, I really like the uh, level select screen of Sonic Adventure 2 because instead of choosing a level from a list of levels or scrolling through them, um, you are going uh, across this map of like this region of Sonic's world and it shows you exactly not only where the uh, mission is or where the, the level is on the world map, but also where that level happened relative to other missions. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like a... Uh, like, the best non-game analog I can think of offhand right now is, like, in Indiana Jones, mm. when they would have, like, the montage of, like, the dots appearing on the map as they were flying from, like, one far-flung exotic location to another. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a really cool touch of just, like, it helps kind of ground everything right um and i i guess that's kind of what i wanted to talk about there are plenty of games i don't want to say with disjointed areas but like you can tell that they were designed first and then you know bridging it together in the semblance of a narrative was you know just kind of what came next um and the the thing that kind of I, I, so I guess, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, you have, like, a desert area in Mario, and it has all these different desert levels. It would stand to reason, then, that uh, on this overworld map, you would have Mario moving from point in the desert to point in a desert until you get to the boss area to just kind of tell a story with uh, the different levels that you're doing with this one specific theme. Yeah, and this is gonna... I just... 
For once, I remembered something that we talked about on a previous episode. Uh, we talked before... I don't remember the the full context for what we were talking about in like the episode I'm thinking of, but we talked once about uh, in Sonic Mania, mm-hmm. the way that they played around with like a level would end and you would get this little like transitional scene leading into the next level to kind of provide a sense of like continuity and forward yeah. motion. So it didn't feel as much like wholly disjointed, like you're on a desert train. Now you're at a casino. Now you're in space. They're, they, they, this is going to sound really weird, but I think the Sonic game, the at least the first one on the Game Gear, had an overworld map. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to look that up real uh, real quick, because um, I could be misremembering. Yeah, but... but yeah, while, while Dylan's looking that up, that's just all I was kind of bringing that up for, is like, it, this, a lot of times these game maps kind of serve to f- the same purpose that those scenes in Sonic Mania did. They are there to help it feel like Dylan was saying they, they kind of tell a story through the progression of these story of these stages and make the levels feel a little bit less completely disjointed uh sonic for the game gear does indeed have an overworld map what the f- how did i how have i never heard about this well because who the fuck owned a game gear Chris? i mean i guess that's fair <laughs> we are too young to have been in the target audience for the game gear right i'm gonna i'm gonna send you a gift so you can see what i'm looking at Yo, I love that. Yeah, it's really good. That's honestly like a really cool looking overworld. It's Yeah. And then like when you get to like Robotnik's uh lair at the top of the mountain, uh, it zooms in. Ah, it's so good. That's really cool. So, Dylan, when when we were kind of getting set up to record, you mentioned like you told me what this topic was and then you were like, "And I've got a, a series I want to talk about, and it might not be what you're thinking." And for a minute I was like, "Is it Sonic?" <laughs> uh, but what what was the what was the series you were thinking of? Um surprise, it wasn't Sonic. It was actually Castlevania. Um so I'm going to like I I love Castlevania and every time fall rolls around, of course I want to play the spooky skeleton vampire game. You want to beat up all of the universal movie monsters. Exactly. I, I also I, live in constant uh, anticipation for the day I can finally sock a mummy right in this dumb mouth. I want to suplex Bello Lugosi <laughs> <laughs> while drop kicking Boris Karloff. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but yeah. Meanwhile, Thurl's Ravenscroft sings a song about it in the background. <laughs> this 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 joke got off the rails. <laughs> this joke was like for five people. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them are in this call. <laughs> um, but anyway, gamers don't watch Turner Classic movies. <laughs> um, the frame rate is terrible. It's calving at like 23. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what the fuck's up with these textures? <laughs> That's clearly a painted skybox. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Castlevania. <laughs> anyway, Castlevania. So, Castlevania. <laughs> Castlevania is an extremely uh, linear series of platformers for the most part. Castlevania 1, uh, the basic story is Dracula's alive. You gotta go kill him, go into his castle. <laughs> Dracula's alive, and that will not stand. <laughs> uh, you gotta go kill him. Make your way through his castle and kill him. Um, and previously, I talked about how they do a little foreshadowing of a later level in 
an earlier level um you you see level five from level three and that's like a cool little bit of foreshadowing but another thing castlevania does that makes it feel like a cohesive place is um there is a map of the castle that the main protagonist simon belmont slowly makes his way for uh through as you clear uh more and more stages and this this actually kind of leads to a fun subversion of expectations where you clear level three or whatever and then um simon walks through the door and he falls into a trap door and then the map pops up and shows simon falling uh so that that progress that you thought you were making they totally spin it on its head and you you feel like you've lost ground now um that's really cool i've always been a fan of that uh and then uh, we'll skip Castlevania 2, um, because that's what you should do. <laughs> uh, Castlevania 3 is with Trevor Belmont. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm about to out myself, but Castlevania 2 is the, one of the only ones I played any of as a kid, and I really liked it. <laughs> I mean, I liked it as a kid, um, but like... I, okay, I yeah, also... to be fair, I have not revisited it in probably closing in on two decades well i i was just gonna say that like there are plenty of games i played as a kid that i never expected or even really tried to beat so like yeah i enjoyed simon's quest when i was just a dude with a whip killing zombies or whatever but if i tried to like actually make progress in that game it sounds like a nightmare i guess that's fair that's about the relationship i had with the teenage mutant ninja turtles game for the nes (laughs) Um, but, but Castlevania 3, um, you're going through the Transylvanian countryside to get to Dracula's castle, and that's, like, the first half of the game, um, and then the second half of the game is in Dracula's castle, and you have a map to deal with that, uh, there, too. Um, the thing about Castlevania 3 is it's also the first, um, example of branching paths in the series, so... When you beat level one, you have the option of going to level two, which is the clock tower. Um, and from there, you will get you will cross a bridge that takes you to Dracula's castle. Uh, at least that's what the map implies. Or you can go to level three, which is uh, in the forest, and you're you're taking the long way around. What happens is when you get reach the top of the clo- uh, clock tower in level two, you fight a boss. And then you you gain a party member because Castlevania three has a party system, um, and you have to climb back down the castle, uh, the clock tower, because it turns out, and you can see this if you look at the overworld map once you exit, the bridge to the castle crumbled into the moat. So the the overworld map is also kind of telling the story and explaining why level why even though level two and level three are branching paths, one still leads into the other. That's really cool. Yeah, and it also means that if you just want to skip level two, you're perfectly welcome to. If you if you that's don't honestly, want that party member, that's really cool. I was going to say like the early Castlevania games like did a lot of very cool stuff. I was just like I had this flash of like oh, Castlevania might be very well could be the first game to do what is now a very common thing in like exploration based games where like you were saying you see where you're going in the background yeah because that's something that like a lot of games have done since but it's been really picked up and run with by like the uh by FromSoft with like the Soulsborne games Mm -hmm. 
those games are all about like see that big castle that looks like it's miles away you'll be there eventually at some point hopefully and then uh i there's two more uh castlevania bloodlines for the genesis i can go through pretty quickly um rather than going through the transylvania countryside to get to dracula's castle you start at dracula's castle and you actually have to fight another vampire in i think it's england so you're the 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 overworld map is now just the entire continent of europe excuse me (laughs) yeah uh castlevania bloodlines for the genesis um is it's a wild game dude uh you you play as jonathan morris the son of quincy morris from the not you know from the novel dracula uh it turns out quincy morris is a descendant of the belmonts of course he is <laughs> of course okay he is. this is not the point but that is that i know we just had our very dumb joke about beating up boris karloff <laughs> but that is genuinely my favorite thing about castlevania as a series is they have absolutely no shame at just grabbing any and all things that exist in like the cultural zeitgeist around monsters yep. and playing with them. And it is delightful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Castlevania bloodlines is wild. Cause it takes place in 1917. So world war one's going on. Are so you, you kidding me? <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm not making this up. So you you go from like Dracula's castle to some ruins in Greece where you fight minotaurs and stuff like that. Um, and then from there, you go to, like, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, where you... I don't even remember what you fight, but you fight something on top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Um, and it does this really intense not-Mode 7 effect, because it's the Genesis, um, so it doesn't have Mode 7. And then, like, at some point, you go to a German munitions factory. That's what like the fuck? That's the That's the equivalent of the Clock Tower level. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's so wild. I need um, to get more into like the old school Castlevanias. I oh, played They're fantastic. You can get I played I remember playing some of 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. But like that's kind of it until like Symphony of the Night and then uh, Aria of Sorrow. Um the final uh Castlevania game I want to talk about is also I believe the final old school style like 2D uh limited jump movement, mid-air movement. Uh, Castlevania. Rondo of Blood for the TurboGrafx-16 has branching pathways and it also has an overworld although it's not as detailed or cool looking as uh, the one in Castlevania 3. But it's it, it tells you kind of what you need to know. Um, so there are a bunch of branching paths within levels in Rondo of Blood. So in in Castlevania 3 you you got to select where you went once you beat a level um in Rondo of Blood you have to like find a secret route to fight an alternate boss that takes you to an alternate level okay yeah it's it's really cool it's i i would almost compare it to Star Fox 64 that's really cool i love that yeah um and it doesn't like show you like a graphic of the castle or anything, which is kind of a bummer, but it, what it does do is, um, it shows like a little graphic of the boss, like not like you can't tell what it is. So it doesn't like spoil what monster you're going to fight, but like it's detailed enough that once you know what it is, you can see what the silhouette is and be like, all right, so this 
whatever this boss looks like, that's going to take me to the uh, standard level, or this one's going to take me to the alternate level. And I just, I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. This is all making me think of my favorite game with a uh, a very narrative-heavy level-to-level kind of world map. Where's Waldo for the NES? <laughs> oh, this is this is a joke, but genuinely, as you were talking, I was like, "Why can't I stop thinking about fucking Where's Waldo for the NES?" Now I need to pull up Where's Waldo for the NES. Where's Waldo for the NES is not a good game, but the the story, such as it is, is that Waldo's trying to go to the moon, which like. I respect. And there is level progression. Like, he starts at a train station, and you find him there, and then he goes to the woods, I think. And then he goes to a cave. And then he goes to a city. And then he goes to the subway. Oh, my gosh. And I'm, then he I'm goes to the it moon. Now. <laughs> it's not pretty. It's It really isn't. <laughs> I, I bring this up mostly because it is an example of one of these things that just, like, was only to, like, signify he's going from here to here, but it has nothing to, like... I'm not saying that Where's Waldo needed to be a narratively rich game. It fucking <laughs> didn't. It's Where's Waldo. But it's 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 a good example of, like, it's using the systems that something like Castlevania or or Sonic or Mario might do to, like, try to imply continuity... And just not using it to imply continuity at all. You know what? To to save your ass a bit, I, I would say, like, even by, like, you know, this is early childhood, like, toy tie-in um, game to, you know, get, like, if your kid likes Where's Waldo, here's more Where's Waldo stuff. Yeah. Um, You know, even on that merit, I would say that something like the Tonka games have a more compelling overworld. <laughs> Oh, 100%. I loved the Tonka games as a kid. Right, like, that's kind yeah. of the vibe it was giving me, like, something like Tonka or Jumpstart, and I'm like, yeah, but those those maps look good. Yeah, yeah. So what do we? What do you say we uh, we slide into the playbill, and then when we come back out the other side, we'll see what else we, uh, what, what other maps we have to unfold. Yeah, sure thing. Hell yeah, let's go! Woo! here in the playbill so dylan tell me about well actually this this week the next show you're going to talk about also features me and by this week i mean last week when the last episode came out tell me about dude you remember macross why don't you tell me about dude you remember macross because that's not how we do this bit yeah but like you're you're in the episode okay fine yeah okay fine (laughs) uh dude you remember macross is a show hosted by dylan and our mutual friend coop they go on kind of deep episode by episode dives into an old 80s mecha anime called Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. Uh, it's a fun show. They 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 kind of do like a beat-by-beat a beat breakdown of the episode and then kind of talk about like what's going on thematically, what was going on culturally at the time or historically at the time that it was being made to kind of like build up to this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and last week, the episodes that they put out last week were actually a, a diversion because I think you guys had finished the first series is yeah, that correct I, I it's been so long since we recorded those episodes but i yeah, want to say it was recorded fucking like summer of 2019 yeah uh but we they they took a break from macross and invited me on to talk about a show that's near and dear to my heart another 80s mecha anime called uh 
wow, I almost said Gurren Lagann, uh, <laughs> Gunbuster. Yeah. Gunbuster, which is a great show, and we we did three episodes, two episodes? Two or three episodes, I think. Uh, just kind of breaking down this limited run series, and it was a ton of fun, so you should go listen to that. Dylan, where can they find that? Um, yeah, so if you want to find uh, Dude, You Remember Macross, you can find us on... Uh, anchor.fm slash dude that is dude as in dude where's my car you remember uh you can also find us on twitter.com at dude you remember uh sorry we're also on stitcher apple podcast and something else it's not here why is it not here spotify google Google play Play store yeah spotify google play and apple Podcasts. all right dylan since you did that to me now you plug the unexplored places okay Wow, very spiteful, are we? Aren't we? Yeah, I just I thought you might want to give the plug because you you know no, I, I I I'm fu- I'm done with shaking it up a little okay, bit. Okay, yeah, sure. Just flip this flip the script on us. Um, so yeah, uh, Chris, you know, as as you know, um, I like games, and I think you like games. I and do. We we like telling stories through games or talking about the stories of games. Um, and so when you use gaming to tell a story. You might create a podcast, and that podcast might be really good. <laughs> if if you're not careful, you'll trip and fall and start an actual play podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that podcast is really good, and its name is The Unexplored Places. Um, it is an actual play podcast, like Chris said, where we, we, we kind of we play with uh, genres. Um, I say we like I'm the one running it, but... Uh, our friend Christine, they they play with uh, quite a, like a few jo- genres. Um, the first season was a horror themed genre in uh, rural Ohio, but now we are doing Tango Sector, which is a science fiction swashbuckling um... <laughs> crime adventure. <laughs> Think Guardians of the Galaxy, except with less crisp. <laughs> 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 um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah uh it, it's a fun time i have a blast doing my two characters so if you like me first of all thank you that means a lot to me but also i play two characters it's a fun time um and you should check them out and us at the unexplored cast so it is unexploredcast.libsyn.com um and you can also find them on twitter at unexploredcast. I'm also going to plug, we don't usually plug the Unexplored Cast Patreon because, like, it's not our show. Uh, But I do want to say they just put out, uh, their Patreon, they do a bunch of, like, bonus episodes. And they've recently been doing, like, interviews with people that are on the show. Uh, They put out a a Halloween episode that Dylan and I were part of uh, as a patron reward for, like, the $1 tier. I think it came out on Halloween. It is one of the most fun things I have ever recorded four uh so if you like their show or that sounds interesting like it's worth the one dollar buy-in to listen to that episode it's very very good it's also Uh, the most viscerally uncomfortable i think i've ever felt playing a tabletop game from like in a good way yeah in the best possible way in the i'm playing a horror game oh man chilling stuff is happening um uh so go check that out as well yeah um also, we have a Patreon, and thank you, as always, to everyone who supports us there. It means the world to us that you uh, are showing us that support and making it so that we are not losing money on this. It means even more when, you know, the world happens and we have to take a couple weeks off and we come back and, like, people haven't left. That is uh, a huge vote of confidence thank from y'all so and much. us. Um, 
But yeah, if you like our show and you like what we're doing and you want to help us do it more and do it better and invest in things like just more time to record and better recording setups potentially and just like having more time to do this kind of stuff, patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great way to do that. Thank you also to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of podcasts about video games. Uh, they There are shows talking about it from the fandom side, from the news side, from the development side. There's weird stuff like us where it's like, where what are we even doing? Uh, if you like our show, you'll probably like at least a handful of the shows over there. So go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork where they're always retweeting all of the shows. I think that's it for the playbill. All right. Let's slide back in. <sighs> America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. So I wanted to, I, we we I did my dumb Where's Waldo bit. I do want to talk about one other game. And do you have more Castlevania? I guess I should ask before. Uh, I do this. No, no. I specifically wanted to end it at Rondo of Blood. Okay, cool. So I, there there is one game that like it's a small part, but I think it's a really cool touch that they play with the idea of the world map, uh, and it's not a level based game. I recently picked up uh, Octopath Traveler again. Mm, okay. Um, Octopath Traveler is a, a a kind of homage to the the era of like Super Nintendo JRPGs uh, by Square Enix. It was released on Switch a couple of years ago, and the main conceit of the game is that there are eight different playable characters slash party members, and at the beginning of the game you pick one of them to be kind of like your main story that you follow. Uh, I'm not super deep in, so Dylan, you'll be able to speak to this more than I do because I think you played more of it than me. Uh, I don't know fully how much into the other characters' stories you get. I know that they play in when you like recruit them, but I don't know how far you can follow all of those threads. Um, so you you are actually following all the, all the threads. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's like kind of controversial. Um, I don't mind it too much because like i was always into octopath more for the um the individual character stories and the exploration than the actual like intersecting of these character plots yeah but yeah so um basically you uh i can't it's it's been a while since i've played octopath traveler so i can't same for me i just picked it up again like the last last week so i'm not super deep into it again yet um so I, I from what I remember, uh there's like a recommended level for the uh each character's next chapter, and so that kind of determines the order that you'll probably do it in. But at the same time you can you can do any the next chapter of any character's story in any order you particularly want to. Yeah, but the reason I bring it up is because when you boot up this game the first thing you see is the world map. And the world map for this game is gorgeous. Oh, shit, it I is... forgot about that. Yeah, you. so because the, the conceit of the game is you pick which one of these characters you want to be kind of your main protagonist, the way they present that is you see all eight of them 
on the map at the location at which they start their story. And this map is, like, the portion of the map that this is, is like, ringing this sea. And, again, the map is beautiful. I, I just looked it up because I wanted to be able to talk about this. Uh, the the artist uh, Francesca Barold, B-A-E-R-A-L-D, Barold, I would assume. Uh, Francesca Barold was the, the artist for this, and it is... It looks like a map that, like, the map that you want to see when you're 16 years old and you're really into fantasy books and you open up the front cover of the book. Like, this is the map you want to see. Mm. Dylan, I, I can I can send you the image if you need it. I, I looked it up. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real good. And so this, for me, again, it's not exactly the same thing we've been talking about because it's not doing the same kind of, like, narrative heavy lifting. But it does such a good job of immediately saying, like, this is going to be a high fantasy adventure. And it helps you kind of situate yourself as to, like, who these characters are, where they are in the world. When you hover over each one, you get, like, a little blurb about them and about what they are doing and where they are in this world. And I think that it's just... It's such a little touch. But consider the other very easy way of doing this, you know, character select option where you just get them as a list of names with their sprite artwork. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't it doesn't quite do as much. The... Yeah. Like it doesn't give you the same immediate hit of like I know what this is about now. It just that having different. it on this very stylistic evocative fantasy world map does. I'm also I'm gonna click away from this because I could j- literally just stare at this map for like half an hour, <laughs> uh, but I think that that's that this kind of like play with overworld maps is one of those things where it's kind of like lighting or set design in a movie or a show, mm-hmm. where like a lot of games have it in a way that you never notice it. You only really notice it when it's very bad, see Where's Waldo, or when it's doing something interesting. I would agree with that. And I think that Octopath Traveler is is kind of interesting because it falls very much into that middle ground where, like, you you don't really think about it too much the first time you boot it up. You don't think, like, oh, this is a moment that's doing a lot of, like, storytelling heavy lifting. But it is such a huge, like... I almost said taste setter, and that is not a term that anyone has ever said. <laughs> uh, but it, it's such a good, like, little, I guess, tasting menu sampler of what platter. the game is going to be. Yeah, sampler platter. That is a that is. <laughs> thank you, Dylan. Yeah, that was just that was one of the things that came kind of to my mind as we were talking about this. I, I'm gonna probably cut this out. I I have this image where a lot of the stuff that I had I had thought of when you were like, yeah, I want to talk about like game maps and overworlds, and my mind went to like. Things like Hollow Knight or Breath of the Wild, oh. where there's like a map making an exploration aspect to it, less than to what you actually were thinking. Well, maybe we can do that for next week. Ooh, oh. Well, maybe we can. And you know what? I know that we just did the playbill, so maybe we can keep our, our outro short. But I'm that's about what I have for this week. And I also want to keep this relatively short so I can get it to you good people on time that's tomorrow without having to kill myself editing a rush job. <laughs> Yes. Um, the only other game series I was gonna point out was uh, yeah. Fire Emblem. I love how Fire Emblem incorporates its maps. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of every Fire Emblem game, they show you like 
maybe not the beginning, but they at some point early in those on, Fire early on games, the... they show you the complete map of the continent that the story takes place on, and then you proceed to walk around the whole thing. Uh, the Fire Emblem game that I'm currently playing, Fire Emblem 3, Moncho no Nazo for the Super Famicom, um, it's kind of, I, I believe it's the first, okay, so Fire Emblem Gaiden for the NES had a, you know, a, a more conventional, like, map where you, you can manually control, like, where you go, but, um, Fire Emblem 3 has a more level-by-level level structure, but what it does is it uses its brand-new Mode 7 technology to zoom the map <laughs> in and out and panning uh, to show, like, after you beat a chapter, it shows how far the party goes before the next encounter, and then as it moves, uh, there's, like, a little text blurb with some flavor text about the location they're visiting. So maybe... You know, maybe they're at a port town and they talk about the port town or they're at a very treacherous um, valley and there will be something about that in the flavor text. That's so cool. I I need to play more of the old school Fire Emblem games, too. They're very good. Um, like what I have played, I have liked. I just need to I need more of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I I recommend the, the Super Famicom games are great. Uh, the Game Boy Advance games are great. Um, you're playing Three Houses. That's also great, although a very I, different I just picked game. that back up again as another bit of, like... Of course. Like, for lack of a better term, comfort food gaming. It's 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 a good one. Um, Three Houses stresses me out, but, like, I... That's just because I get option paralysis in RPGs. That's fair. That's why that's why I have to be like me and like Krillin. Thinking gives me stress, so I'd stop doing that. <laughs> that's fair. Just enjoy the game, Dylan. But I have to enjoy it right. Oh my gosh. Maybe <laughs> I was playing Monster uh, again, this isn't another di- digression, but I was playing Monster Camp and I'm like, I don't know, I don't really seem like I gel that well with Aravi, and then just now I was thinking that's such an Aravi thing to think. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, right. no, well, I, I, th- I think I'm done. I think I'm good. I, I, I thought this was a fun topic. I, again, if I had if I had understood your text, we were like, let's do this correctly. I would have had more to say. But I was like, oh yes, map making in games is cool. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that next week because I can. I, there's a lot of things I have, a lot of thoughts I have about that as well. But until then, thank you all so much for listening to Backstage Gaming. We hope you've enjoyed. We hope you had a good time. Uh, this week is weird, I'm sure, for a lot of people, so make sure you're taking care of yourself in whatever ways you need to. Uh, tell, tell us on social media about, well, for one thing, about any games you can think of that do cool stuff with map overworld shenanigans and using those in interesting ways, but also tell us about like what games you've been playing recently to just keep yourself sane, because there's a lot going on that we need a break from these days. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway... What's your Dylan will Halloween tell you how to reach out to us. Oh. That's what I want to know. What's that? What's your Halloween time game? Ooh, yeah. yeah. We did just get done with spooky season. I want to know what... Anybody out there just grinding away for those triple S combos and Nightmare Before Christmas? <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you all again for listening. As always, if you want to know more about the show, a great way to do that is to check out our website, bsgpod.com. You can find info about the show. You can find info about me and Dylan. You can find a contact form if you want to reach out to us about anything like urgent or direct. 
Uh, you can do all of that at bsgpod.com. Also, thank you for listening. And if you like our show, be sure to leave a rating, a review, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog, tell the poll workers when you vote. You better have voted today, and I bet I hope you heard me telepathically telling you to tell the poll workers about the cool video game podcast you listened to. Uh, as always, you can find us on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all those good podcatcher apps. Hey, Dylan, tell us about social media. I'm rambling. Okay, that's, you know what? That's fair. I do that all the time. Um, if you want to hit us up on social media and talk about how much we ramble, uh, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And I should have ended it there, but we also have a YouTube that I promise I will do something with, but not anytime soon because I don't have the energy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you want to engage with us, uh, we recommend you use that hashtag BSG pod. Um, Also huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig his stuff, uh, you should check out more of his stuff at his Squarespace, brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com. And you can also find him on instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts or on Twitter at brennan underscore French. You should also go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. He's a great electronica composer and producer, and you can find all of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery, that's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by searching for bioquery on Spotify. We already kind of pl- we already plugged Patreon and uh, the HP Video Game Podcast Network recently, so I'll just throw those out again. One, one more big thank you to our patrons and to the network, so head to patreon.com slash bsgpod if you want to support us, and head to Twitter at HPVG Pod Network if you want to support the other great shows that we kind of share the airwaves with. That's all I got for this week. I hope you are all well and taking care of yourselves and being safe and being happy and being healthy. I love you. And I love you too. Now go and fly. I don't know what that energy was. I was about to say, that's really... Something vaguely lynchian about that. <laughs> <laughs>